0: You don't have to worry about me. I'll always worry about you. I like worrying about you. That's the deal. It's okay. I know why I'm here. Hello! Welcome once again to Hollywood Rx. I am your under-the-weather host, Gregor, and my co-host, Adam Dooley, as always. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing good. I... Hey, folks, the doctors are in, man. Um, so, we're doing Midnight Special.
0: Yay. Yes, we are doing Midnight Special.
1: I have been looking forward to this one for a long time, but I'm going to let you do the, your quick take. So, quick take it away.
0: Um, while, on the one hand, I was, uh, I was tremendously impressed with elements of it and the performances, um, I kind of felt at the end a little bit let down, even though it didn't... Well, the ending specifically didn't do what I expected it to, and it was really cool to look at, but I kind of feel like, well, that's just...
1: Oh, wow. Okay, that is a quick take. Well done, sir. Hey! (laughs) Now the real trouble will be with me. Um, my quick take on Midnight Special is that, uh, similarly, some really impressive performances, even from the the child. And it's not always easy to get, you know, uh, stuff from kids. Um,
0: so they say. So they tell me. <laughs>
1: Stop it! It's my quick take.
0: Uh, <laughs> anyway,
1: and um. Uh, uh, some casting in there that kind of made me a little curious or didn't fully understand. And the, the sum total of it is that, um, yeah, I liked a lot of it, but I was left with a lot of questions about the choices that um, that Jeff Nichols made, both as the writer and as the director. And I'm going to hold him to account in the course of this uh, podcast,
0: well, dare I say. Um, That's the end of my quick take. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I, I, I should have appended this sentence on to my quick take, which is that uh, in the end, I feel like we just got a fancy remake of Take Shelter. It felt like there's Michael Shannon again being possessed in that old, in like that old school. I had a vision kind of way. He's right, like so right. the earth, you know, but he's got this intensity. Like, he should be like some one of those crazy old, like, Calvinist ministers. <laughs> like, I don't know. He's just, uh... He is, uh... He's forceful, but... And very after, intense. Very intense. Um, almost to the point of unintentional laughter. Um, uh... It, And I couldn't tell you a specific moment, but that face of his just doesn't give, ever.
1: Right. There is never a moment where he relents in the intensity and seriousness of his, uh, like, communication. Even when he's saying nothing, there's no sort of uh, respite.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, the kid was great too. Um, I'm sorry. T- who, uh, who was great? The kid.
1: The kid. Okay.
0: Um, but I don't. Well, let's uh, let's hit the positives. The other <laughs>
1: so. Yes. But no.
0: No. 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 Though, honestly, I don't have like like. Not so much with specific scenes. I mean, I kind of have to think about it because I'm so. I was so disappointed by it as a whole. Yeah, um, that it's sort of like I have larger concerns than like a specific. There wasn't a specific turning point. Like, like no one had like a moment where I was just like, oh, you know, whatever. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, by all means, let's uh, let's be positive.
0: Um, the the. <sighs> That first, uh, well, that first, uh, incident with the, with, uh, with the kid in the, in the, with, with Elton in the, uh, in the bedroom and they come in and the light, the ceiling's going off. And yeah, all those yeah. Lights. I mean, at that point, I don't know about you, but I, just from the way they had, they, they have been talking about the kid and the fact that they came from this, like, this, uh, what do you call it? Cult. Uh, yeah, oh, that's. Yeah, yeah. Um so i I thought you know for some kind like for a quasi religious event, yeah, like, it was pretty it was it was pretty fucking scary, i have to say <laughs> that was uh, that was tremendous,
1: and if I remember correctly the one you're talking about um you know, I'm not going to remember character names very well. Uh, you know, uh, Roy, played by Michael Shannon, is is race. He sort of was asleep and he snapped awake by the noise and he races back through this house, and tries to get through the door and it's it won't open. Is this yeah. is this the one you're talking about? He breaks it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and for a second, you almost, for a second, anyway, in that scene, I almost didn't know who was doing what to whom, because with the, the, the man sort of over top the boy. Uh, not that he was in a menacing position, but he was in a sort of a dominant position. If he had been lower down and the boy had been above him, it would have been immediately clear to me that the boy was, you should pardon the expression, doing it to him. But for a moment, I wasn't sure who was the, where the power was emanating from in that moment, even though obviously I should have. Yes, it was a very sort of disorienting, and and then the house starts to fall apart a little bit too, um, yeah. which uh, is.
0: But you know, I feel like we never quite got. I, there, there, there were so many, like you said, so many questions. Um, it didn't, uh, it, it, and none of them are answered. I, I feel like I don't want like like we don't know what happened in that. Yes. It's you know, in the in the larger in in this in the sense of like the larger goal of getting him to that location at that date.
1: Yes, you um, know. Here's the thing. I, I know we're talking about. I know we're talking about the positive. So I I am reluctant to say this, but th- it, this movie just sort of opened up one question after another for me about the events of the movie, and that okay. I I took at face value that the movie would would explain many, if not all of them, probably yep. not all of them, whereas I ended up with it explaining alarmingly few of them. And and so I just ended up walking out with this bag full of questions. And they're not bad questions, but they aren't the kinds of questions that will you and I can have a healthy debate that one of us can go, well, I think it's this, and I think... They're not sort of supportable questions. They're just imponderables. Yeah. Um, and,
0: and, and it's funny, too, because I... I was expecting more emotional intensity yes. in terms of uh, the relationship between the father and son.
1: Oh, man. Uh, we got to keep this positive, man, because I'm just going to spin off in the wrong direction. All right. Hang on one second. Well, uh, I just, you know, well,
0: <clears throat> and I should say, like, I, I I almost came in wanting to like this movie. Like, and it had a lot going against it because I, I, I parked in a two hour zone. And I knew I was like, I had a 30-minute window of possibly getting a huge parking ticket. And oh. Gamble ultimately paid off. But that's what was going through my head in the movie. <laughs> as, as the lights go down and I sit through like 10 yeah. times. And then the movie starts. And then the movie starts. And it actually, for all the intensity, like like this is more of what it had to overcome. It started off in the first three minutes, that first scene, started. There were two, I thought, colossally stupid, (laughs) unbelievable (laughs) events going on. Okay, spell them out for me. Well, hey, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just haven't traveled the country enough. Yeah. Um, If I passed by a hotel and there was a room that was completely blocked up with cardboard and tape... (laughs) I'd be a little concerned I'd keep rolling um, And then number two as, as someone who As someone who has snuck pets Into hotels yes. stuck, I can tell you that when you want to Quickly get in and out Of your room yeah, You yeah. don't park In the middle of the parking lot
1: Right That was that- a ridiculous place for them to park I mean, even if you go back to like, I don't know, like the 50s noir movies and things like, you know, like Psycho or whatever. They're always saying, oh, we'd like a room in the back. And, uh, but if, only if there's parking in the back, you know, where they always, you want to drive where your vehicle can't be seen from the road and, and yeah. have, it, have it right there. Now, you could go, maybe all those other spots were full. That was a huge parking lot for that place, by the way. But you're, we're doing too much work already. We're doing too much heavy lifting to make excuses for the choices of the characters uh, as an extension of the, of the filmmaker. Um, How up on Jeff Nichols were you to begin with?
0: Um, I, (laughs) oddly enough, I felt pretty much the same way with Take Shelter. Yeah. I thought it was, it was, it was, I want to say physically well-directed. Right. But, or well-executed, you know? Uh, but I mean, he had a good sense of personalizing action and conflict and things like that. Um, but I kind of felt at the end of it, it wasn't in service of anything that changed our characters in any significant way.
1: Wow, OK. Also, okay
0: what and that's especially true here I think because I don't feel like there's any arc for anyone Roy did not have an arc in my opinion right
1: right right um, uh, I agree I, I agree I, um so hang on one second I want to I want to look at uh, at Jeff Nichols's uh, uh, credits mud. here I, I saw mud. mud and I I felt like it 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 paid off what it promised. It wasn't like, oh wow the whatever, but that it was like really it like... well made. This had all kinds of promise that I didn't feel was fulfilled. Um at least not not that they made maybe that the trailers made a promise or somehow the buzz made a promise because I tried yeah. to avoid most of that. Um, because all I really needed was the title Midnight Special and then this sense of that there was a buzz and the name Jeff Nichols, and I was like, I'm in. So um, <clears throat> so I just i am I'm jumping back to look. There's Take Shelter, there's Mud. Uh, there's something uh, called Shotgun oh, that's, Stories.
0: That's it, yeah.
1: Which I haven't that's seen, but it, it appears that it's also um, Michael Shannon. Yes. And then something upcoming called Loving, which it looks like uh, Joel Edgerton might be in. Um, So, and uh, I guess the poster, everyone's just going to get sick of me hearing hearing me say the same things. But, you know, it's one of these things where your eye just sort of flashes across it, even though you're trying to ignore it. And the phrase close encounters of a new kind popped out at me.
0: Oh shit, if I had seen that I would have been pissed off Well,
1: I was fairly pissed off So I went in with that And that does not help his mission See, there's so many fucking amazing ingredients here You've got this cult And they have this kid that essentially for them is the Messiah Right And then their Messiah goes missing Within spitting distance of their end of time's date
0: Right And well, they, they built Right, they, 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 they built that as their date because of because of what his
1: his speaking in tongues. So that's one piece. Then you have this other piece where the stuff that that the kid is spouting is in various languages and so on and so forth is encoded um uh you know military information and whatnot. And so then you're going, oh that's cool because that's like Uh, uh, That may be a reference to the senses and how we're only really aware of certain things, but there may be senses that other people have that we don't, where he's, like, picking up these other frequencies and becomes a a broadcast uh, vessel himself, even if he doesn't understand what he's broadcasting. That's a fantastic piece. And then, then the kid is abducted. Another fantastic, you know... So it had all these really incredible building blocks. It would be better if, in my mind, I didn't know that we were headed towards aliens, much like last week with 10 Cloverfield Lane. If I was in my head going, is this kid from God? Is he some level of science we don't understand? Are those two things the same? Um, And then finding our way to aliens, as opposed to me being sort of led by the hand before I got in there or whatever. So, so many really cool things. And then it becomes this road picture with this father who is apparently estranged from this son. And he's enlisted his old buddy. And they end up finding the the mom. And she's a former cult person. and, And it has all these terrific things that are just so many amazing elements that could have had such an incredible payoff. But he was not telling a story with that kind of payoff. And when I... I made either the wise choice or the unwise choice to listen to uh, uh, Q&A uh, with Jeff Goldsmith with uh, Goldsmith interviewing Jeff Nichols and hearing him speak uh, directly about it himself and also uh, some, some stuff I got off the IMDb trivia page. Um, he was writing, in his mind, a story about a father and son that was supposed to be this is what fatherhood is. And hearing that that was his intention, it's such an incredible epic fail. I, I, I'm i staggered. Listen, I'm a father. I have sons. I was a son. I'm a father. And I know that my story as a father-son is different than my story with my own sons. It's not universal even within me. But none of it is that. Um, Particularly since... The father in the story uh, has gone through all this stuff, and then essentially the last time he's ever going to see the kid is just before he breaks through the most pathetic roadblock I've ever seen in my life. And he sends the mother off to do the delivery, no pun intended, while he, as the father, drives away. Well, if you want to see fathers and sons and what that interaction is, why isn't the father taking the kid to the Field of Dreams? I just don't get it. I just don't get it. So, all right, that's the end of my list of things I liked about it. (laughs) Now I'm going to move on to... uh, There was a lot of really fantastic stuff and some strong sequences and so on and so forth. Joel Edgerton was serviceable, but capable of more than I feel like he was given to do. I almost feel like we've been better off if it was... Oh, shit. I'm not going to remember his name. This is embarrassing. Uh, he was in... Um, <clears throat> he was in Sicario as the guy she meets in the bar. And they take back and have some uh, wh- oh. whoopie. I remember the character name that he played on, on The Walking Dead, but I can't think of what the actor's name is. It's shame on me. Um, uh, Which character? He played Shane on The Walking Dead in the first two or three seasons.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. The S- guy who kind of has like that Dermot Mulroney yeah. kind of look. But S-
1: meter. Spoiler alert, by the way.
0: <laughs> when I say how many
1: seasons he was, how many seasons he was on The Walking Dead, it has a built-in spoiler, because when you're not on the show anymore, something bad happened. Right. Um. Anyway, just someone like him. But if I can't think of his name, it's a completely useless thing to say. Oh, I'm such a sham. I can't imagine that anybody listens to this and then comes back for more. But I'm certainly grateful that they do. Um, I will look up his name momentarily. But in any case, um, I didn't feel like Joel Edgerton really um, did anything more for that than... He was like a a gorilla, essentially. He had almost no dialogue, and, and he is not as communicative with his face as... As Michael Shannon, um, where do you stand on Michael Shannon, just in general? What You're have you
0: really s- know him from this and take
1: shelter? Oh, really? So you don't have much of a broader reference for him? Uh, that's uh, not exactly surprising, but um... oh wait, hang on a second. His name is John Berenthal. I am ashamed that I couldn't remember that like right off the top of my head because we
0: love him here. Um, this so still going, is like an ongoing confession of, of shame, <laughs> shameful memory losses on both of our parts.
1: Yes, it's just going to get worse property, from here.
0: Disinformation and all kinds of who right knows what's going on. So now
1: that I actually have said his name out loud, what I was going to say is he might have been well cast in the Joel Edgerton part because mm. I feel like he's a guy who's got a fuse burning underneath. Yes. And so there's just something always bubbling there that might have helped um, fill some of that uh, that was missing for me anyway. All due respect to Joel Edgerton, who, by the way, <clears throat> did you see The Gift? I'm sure you didn't. No. Okay, uh, written and directed by Joel Edgerton.
0: Which Abs- one was that?
1: Uh, it came out last year. I'm not quite sure when. Hang on, i got to clear my throat. <clears> throat> and it... It was sort of oh Jason Bateman was in it and then there was a woman Oh yeah one, yeah yeah, yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah I heard that I actually heard that that has like some really weird twists Yes
1: it's it's just very solidly written solidly made it's not like oh my god a new voice in cinema but it's like this guy can do it So I'm looking forward to seeing what else he can do Um so although I'm not particularly looking forward to seeing him in Loving, which is Jeff Nichols' follow-up to Midnight Special. I'll have to learn more about Loving as it draws nearer. I wonder
0: uh, if it will if it will, answer as few questions about love as this movie did. About
1: <laughs> yes, well, that may well the be the hell case. What the
0: going on? But he, I mean, yeah, but he's also, I mean, he's really, you know, Nichols is really good, but I, you know, I think he has such a, um, he has such a uh, a penchant for uh, this 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 brooding, foreboding, build up of anticipation. Yeah, I, I I think he secretly wants to reboot Left Behind. Oh, he may well he well Left Behind franchise. I think he wants to be like the Roland Emmerich of the Left Behind reboot. <laughs>
1: Uh, he's got the right man in Michael Shannon if what he's after is seething and brooding. Because yes. that guy delivers on, on all those accounts and more. Uh, now, speaking of Michael Shannon, uh, where have you seen him before? What's your general take on him outside of this movie?
0: I think I've only seen him in, uh, Take Shelter. Oh,
1: okay. Okay, cool. Um, which shamefully I have not seen another...
0: This is going to be take
1: a drink every time Adam says he's ashamed of something. Um, but I do know him from several other places that are worthy of mention I believe. Um, uh, first and foremost for me where he really came to my attention was in Boardwalk Empire. He played, uh, he played like I think an FBI uh, man who slowly unravels and he was riveting in a mm. in a series full of just whack jobs and people who are, you know, chewing scenery and 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 have you by the 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 lapels of your coat if not your throat the entire time. He was a standout for several seasons. Um and that's where he came to my attention and I sort of went, okay, if I see his name, I'm I'm more interested than I would be otherwise, but he was also Man of Steel in the in the uh I'm sorry, he was General Zod in the Man of Steel uh Superman reboot from like uh I don't know, t- twenty thirteen or something, which Batman v Superman is or Superman v Batman is the sequel to. So he took over for um Are they like
0: jumping franchises now? <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: He took over in the it was a Terrence Stamp role of, right. uh, of General Zod, the great Terrence Stamp. Oh, there's a really Who cool... Who could have come old... back and yes, still He could. General Zod. He still he could have. He, still he, could. he made a fantastic... Oh, I'm never going to remember it. This is... Terrence Stamp, maybe you do. It was, I don't know, probably about 10 years ago now. It was very small. It was like a, a, a crime movie. Um, oh, where Limey? He's... Yes, the Limey, where he's yeah. playing playing this aging you know, criminal, and they were using clips... From him when he was young. From an earlier movie. From earlier. And I'm just like, oh my God, that's so genius. That's... that's so fantastic. Yep. I'm so glad you remember the name of it. But obviously, Take Shelter, all of Jeff Nichols, other things he's, he's been in. Uh, he was in Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans. You know, so he's, <laughs> been, he's been around a while. <laughs> um, uh, even going back to, and this really cracks me up. If you scroll all the way to the bottom of his list. Or near the bottom of his list. Oh, no, I can't find it. I'm so sad. Oh, he was in Tigerland.
0: Tigerland?
1: Tigerland by Joel Schumacher. I believe it was just like a small um, war movie. You know, bunch of guys in the woods kind of war movie. And he was in Pearl Harbor. So he, this guy is has been everywhere for a long time. But one of his very early credits is like Kangaroo Jack. He has these really stupid oh. comedies. Way back in his career, where I'm assuming he's doing exactly the same thing he does now, but because it's against a kangaroo, it's funny.
0: You know, now, it, you know, you know, now you know the story of, you know, like, you know the plot of that movie, right?
1: Uh, well, run it by me again. I actually have seen it, and I had a kangaroo jack in the house that used to have little sayings that it said, but please tell me. What is the so, plot?
0: <laughs> it, it's this story that you had told me once that your dad had heard from some other comedian actor guy Uh, yeah and 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 your dad said that if he ever went on the tonight show he was going to tell that story (laughs) as if it had happened to him that's fantastic that story was was basically the what became the plot of kangaroo jack it's like someone actually went with it as a plot which was that These guys are, like, messing around in Australia. They're, like, you know, in between shoot days. And so they, they get a Jeep. They go driving off, and they accidentally hit a kangaroo. And they're, like, propping it up and making jokes. One guy puts his coat on it. They, like, put it in the car, <laughs> took pictures of it. They think it's the funniest thing in the world. And then the thing comes out of its it startled state. Yeah, and, uh, and, and kicks its way out of the car and, and runs off into the into the night. Which they think is hysterically funny until the guy realizes that his wallet and his passport are in his coat pocket now on the kangaroo. <laughs> <Wait> <laughs> Except the kangaroo Jack, they made it. They made it uh, like a mafia, like a mafia, mo- mafios money. Oh it was my god! Mob and
1: uh, oh, Jerry O'Connell was one of those two guys, right? Yeah. Oh, f- that's so funny that you remember me telling you that anecdote. And I have no recollection of any of it. Thank God you're in my life because uh. you're the one who remembers all the funniest things I said. The last thing I want to say about Michael Shannon with regards to his his overall thing, I am looking forward to his upcoming Elvis and Nixon. And uh, Oh, man, really? I saw yeah. a trip
0: for that and I was like, you could not pay. Oh. <laughs> see, there wasn't well, a slight <laughs> against him, but, I, yeah. but just Kevin Spacey chewing it up as and doing a Nixon imitation. Right, that's right. just... Th- that's
1: well if there was that's ever asking a lot. I know, but if there was ever a man who could put uh uh <sighs> the actor you just named who I've already forgotten. <laughs> Another Kevin drink Spacey. For us. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if there was ever a man who could uh, go toe to toe and put Kevin Spacey in his place, I think it is uh Michael Shannon. Michael- I, they're they're both fearsome <laughs> and to be feared men. So Wow. Um, filling out the cast, uh, the main uh, of the main four adults anyway, is, uh, is Kirsten Dunst, who I thought did basically a serviceable job here, but I didn't feel, I wasn't wowed by
0: her. No. Um,
1: <laughs> the indifference in your voice and your face
0: is even more than mine. Yeah, Snaggletooth was not. <laughs> <pretty cool. Yeah. laughs> Send your cards and
1: letters <laughs> too. Didn't, didn't, didn't run with it. No, no. Now, is there something that you like her from? Or is she just a, a oh, blank yeah. for you?
0: No, I... Yeah, I mean, I did for a while. No, I, I still think that she... That she is an excellent actress. Yeah. I, uh, or actor. Whichever one she prefers, that's right. what she is. Right, um, But I f- kind of feel like she's been phoning it in for a while.
1: Uh, I can uh, agree with that, although I did see her in something recently where she was phenomenal. I'll get to that in a second. Um, okay. I, st- I I know she... Uh, uh, what was it? Interview with a Vampire is where we first...
0: Well, yeah, but that was like a million
1: years ago. Yeah, sure it was, but I mean, she was still there. So she's sort of been in the trenches for a really long time. I think Drop Dead Gorgeous was pretty good in general as a movie. I don't specifically remember her in it. It's kind of a... It. Uh, kind of a, a satire of um, uh, beauty pageants and what not um, oh,
0: yeah I did see that Yeah, and, yeah.
1: and bring it on she did it again in this sort of satiric vein uh, you know virgin, a,
0: a, the virgin suicide she was really good
1: right you see this is there she's got a couple in here of course the spider-man stuff which is all pretty much yeah. forgettable internal sunshine she, of the spotless mind
0: well she had a small role in that but she she did it very well yeah so she actually did kind of run a little bit. Quick. That one she ran with. This one she didn't run with.
1: <laughs> she ran away from. Uh but the thing I absolutely loved her in in uh recently in 2015 was in the second season of Fargo pay, playing Peggy Blumquist. She was flat out phenomenal. For real. Uh she was a conniving, scheming, you know, wife to a a, a hapless butcher. And uh, and she starts the she starts the season. It's like on her and and what she does at the beginning of the season basically sets everything in motion, and uh, and she's fantastic throughout in that. Um, in then fact, that, to... yeah, that whole season is terrific. Okay, um, is that the thing you're going to tell me about? Oh yeah, no, but I knew I knew because it was Fargo related that you it, it was off your radar, but uh, I can I can thoroughly. Uh, recommend that season independent of seeing the feature or the first season or anything else each of those uh each of those seasons of the fargo tv show are are standalone they don't require they don't require any other investment it's not it's not
0: continuing any plot line from the previous season
1: if anything it's a subplots with the characters but not like if anything it's a it's a prequel taking place 20 years earlier Twenty or thirty years earlier, so you 're seeing some char- a-, a particular character or two who you see in the first season, but played by entirely different actors like twenty years earlier twenty or thirty years earlier, yeah, just a great oh, wow. uh, a great idea, and i 'm really <laughs> excited about what they 're going to do as they move forward. I told you know Griffin that the, my son that the next one would take place in the 20s, and then the, the next one after that will be during the gold rush, and they 'll just keep jumping back. Uh, through this family birth over of the, the decades. Town. Uh I'm sorry. What about? What, I missed that.
0: I just said the birth of the town.
1: Yes, the birth of the town. Exactly. The
0: montage with like railroads and spikes going. Around. <laughs> right. I,
1: I, I get it. I get it now. Sorry, I was distracted. Um, Adam Driver. Still somewhat funny. Uh, Adam Driver. What say yes. you? What say you about Adam Driver?
0: I wish I had seen him first in this.
1: Oh, as instead of in what? Uh, instead of in uh, Force Awakens. Star Wars. That was the first time you'd seen him. That cracks me up. Um,
0: yeah. Oh, what's, oh, what show has he been on that I... <laughs> I that's,
1: well, in my, that's probably in my Netflix list. No. And then... The show he's on that you're not watching and I'm not watching either is
0: Girls. Uh,
1: well, H- oh. HBO Girls.
0: Yes, it's a, it's I don't a, have HBO, but... I understand. And I'm sure you know how difficult it would be to justify watching the show called Girls. <laughs> I understand.
1: Uh, uh, Lena Dunham's uh, show, and a uh, cultural yeah. touchstone, and so on and so forth. But I've seen him in This Is Where I Leave You, which was really pretty good, uh, which was a... Uh, the adult children and the mother of a now-deceased uh, man are sort of forced to sit Shiva and they're kind of all estranged from one another in one way or another. And so it's, it's a family comedy, essentially. I I bet I did. It's really pretty good. It's really pretty good. And I think Jason Bateman is in that one as well. Uh, He really gets around. And I saw while we were young with um, Ben Stiller. Are
0: we still running down the
1: Dunstography? No, we finished Kristen Dunst.
0: Oh, okay. Okay.
1: okay. No, we moved on to Adam Driver. (laughs)
0: Well, this is the Adam Driver. Uh, yes, which is, yes. Yeah, apparently he, 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 got, uh, he got the call that he got Vader, that he got the part in like, yeah. the first day of shooting of this movie.
1: Oh, wow. <laughs> is that why he seems so disinterested? Don't! <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, f- I think he's much better suited to this type of part than he is to a master of the universe type part. It's the whole emo thing about him doesn't play for me as a Star Wars villain, but mm. it, cer- it certainly works here. And I was I think I was kind of like we were talking about like all the different ways in that we had here and all the different sort of pieces that um, that uh, Nichols was putting together. And here we have another guy who's you know, he's sort of the audience stand in. He's investigating this thing, trying to figure out what it is, much as we are because the other characters right. all seem to know what's going on already, but he doesn't and we don't. Um, I feel like they could have made more of him. And that moment where he asks, can I go with you? And they go, no. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like, yeah. uh, uh, it's funny, but it made me sad because I kind of wanted that for him rather than him just being relegated back to the- um,
0: That's true, yeah. To the- but then to, Ruined it with the uh, ask for a punch.
1: Right, <laughs> right, yes. <moment>. That... <laughs> I'm sorry. He he's spoiled. He, um, so, anyway, I he he didn't do any harm here, and I kind of I, I liked seeing him here. But I um, he's an actor I'm interested in watching. Oh, and he's yeah. This is where I leave you. He is really good in that as just like a spoiled brat type sibling. Um, in what? In Five this Nine. is this is where I leave you. The oh, okay. aforementioned, you know, everyone's hanging around Jane Fonda this is the plays the matriarch. Um, and, uh, he's one of her kids. Uh, so,
0: Sam Shepard. What the fuck? Yeah. That I mean, was like, well, clearly they didn't secure funding based on his name in the cast.
1: Or his presence in the movie.
0: Yeah, I mean, good grief, man. It was like, what, he had a weekend to kill?
1: <laughs> right. I, I only imagine, I imagine one of two things. One is that there's more to what he did. And I think you may have mentioned this earlier, or maybe not, I may be getting confused. That somewhere there's a much longer version of this that is richer and fills in some of these blanks. This is the fantasy. Or maybe you were saying that about last week's, uh, last, our last show with... Um The other one. Anyway, um, or that's one answer, that there's just more to it that we didn't see that ended up on the cutting room floor. Or two, that wasn't like part of the movie. They just found Sam wherever he was, and he's giving that kind of speech to the people who gather in a room, and they just shot it and then sent the FBI in. and It was a little confusing for him, but it all worked out. Um, Anyway. uh, (laughs) The sound of one man laughing. Anyway. um, Uh. Anyway. So, but, you know, I don't know, because having him, having a, a star sort of of that size, or an actor, I even hesitate to call him a star, it's, it feels like it's a little bit wrong or demeaning or something, is just sort of misleading because he really doesn't have fuck all to do with it. He gives over his interest in the storyline to these two henchmen, Then really, I would have much rather seen Sam Shepard tracking them down. You know? know, hunting for them, rather than these two actors that are not nearly as um, sort of uh, evocative. Um, <laughs> so anyway, um, I was a little bit uh, disappointed that we didn't sort of see him play a little more largely in the story. Now, of course, with him, do you have a standout in, in your mind for him? I, I mean, separate?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, quite a bit. Um, well, first of all, he also he um, I believe he wrote uh, Paris, Texas, that really beautiful Harry Dean Stanton Oh show, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I have a, yeah. Um, and I mean, he wrote really out there experimental theater um, in the seventies. But as an actor, he's uh, he pops up in a lot of places. He was in um, I think wasn't it Diane Keaton. Who made this film about uh, a, a, like, a, like a successful woman? And Sam Shepard was like oh. the love interest. It was it was kind of serious and heavy. Yeah, where she she leaves the
1: the big city. Oh no, then it's something else. I was thinking of a comedy. I,
0: well, no, 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 no. This wasn't it. it wasn't funny. But um, neither was the comedy she made. But very go on. good in that. Um, he he's sort of he's very good in a lot of things where he. He's sort of in a supporting role. Um, He had a lead in a film called Voyager. With a younger Julie Delpy, a Volker Schlondor film that is fantastic. I highly recommend uh, chasing that one down. Okay. That that packs a wallop, and his performance is incredible.
1: And what was it called again?
0: Voyager. Oh, Voyager, yeah. Yeah. he was in, uh, wasn't he? In uh, Sweet Dreams with, uh, also with, with uh, Jessica Lange. Um, it thing? doesn't,
1: it doesn't ring a bell
0: for me. Hmm. Um, and I'm sure I'm forgetting something obvious, like he's probably in like one of the Transformers movies or something. He's like brought <laughs> he up as a general in like the oddest of places, none more so odd than <clears throat> the. Uh, the ministry leader in Midnight Special. Can I ask you something also? Yeah. Did you, and this is going to sound real nitpicky, um, but were you as startled by uh, the title when the title came up on the screen at the beginning of the film?
1: Uh, no, I have very strong... It was, just, pe- it, it
0: was a stark, very plain font but spread out across the whole Midnight oh, special. It looked like like it was from like the early seventies. I was well, like, Oh no wait, is this a grindhouse? Uh, yeah, like,
1: absolutely. I mean the whole use of the use of that title as the title, uh, which has a, a corresponding song. And right. and so much of the tone and the thing, it really did feel like not necessarily a Spielberg movie from that time, but not far off of that. I mean, yeah. the, the comparisons to Close Encounters and these other things. I definitely think there's something in there. I mean, in Close Encounters, Richard Dreyfuss plays a character named Roy. And here, Michael Shannon is playing a guy named Roy. So, um, Coincidence,
0: you be the judge.
1: I think not. Um, and, and even that whole ending where, I mean, there's no denying that that last five minutes is just a really a visual variation on the end of of Close Encounters where the oh. ship comes down without the catchy song. They left that out. Na, 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 or whatever. I that's what makes it comedy. Listen, there was a movie called Baby Boom that had Diane Keaton and Sam Shepard in it. But I don't think it was serious.
0: No, oh, you know what? No, you're right. You're right. I was confusing it. I was confusing that with the film that Leonard Nimoy directed her in. It's a real heavy movie. Okay. Okay. Um, <sighs> that makes more sense. Don't worry. I you think know? It's called like The Good Wife or something like that. Actually, um, I'll take your word for it. It's around that time.
1: All right. I'm sure. Um, excuse me. <clears throat> But uh, as far as Sam Shepard goes, he was also in Mud.
0: Oh, uh, okay, Jeff. Nich- oh, so that's the connection. He probably has a bigger role in Mud, I guess. Yeah,
1: uh, probably, or at least a more important one, if it's not actually larger. Um, okay, gonna...
0: so this is just kind of like like filling, like filling in slash hanging out with. Mm-hmm. with right. Nichols oh, I Because they, they get because they hit it <laughs> off. Yeah, yeah. Old old time week.
1: Uh, all right, let me tell a quick. A uh, quick story, a uh, uh, a quick Sam Shepard story, um, for those who for those who don't know, and that would be anybody who's listening, uh, pretty much. Uh, my father's an actor, and he had a relationship, a working relationship with uh, Robert Altman. And when I was in college, uh, Altman did this uh, series of films that were like um, one act plays that they then turned into feature length films. Uh, the uh, back at back to the Five Come and, back dim- five and d- yeah, Jimmy Dean, Jimmy Dean. That was one of them, and he also shot. Um, oh no, I'm now I'm losing my mind on it. "Sweep <sighs> Honor "Fool for Love." Oh, that's right. Was another one of these. That's right. And so, um, my uh, my good old dad said, "Hey, would you want to go to Albuquerque and visit the set and and meet uh, Robert and so on and so forth?" I said, "Absolutely, let's go do that." And so we went and did that very thing. And I just had the, the pleasure of being, uh, you know, on the periphery, hanging around the edges awkwardly uh, for a couple of days watching them uh, shoot that. And I don't have any uh, vivid memories of like, oh, Altman did this and he did that and then the camera pushed in or whatever. I wasn't even really, uh, I was too young to even be able to take any of it in. But I do remember going to watch Dailies at one point. And the whole thing with Shepherd is he's always stumbling around and he's this cowboy in the thing and he's he's a boozer and he's a womanizer, whatever it is. And so you're watching him on the set and that's he's sort of like that all the time. And then at the Dailies, he was just he would just stagger around the hotel with like a bottle of uh, Jim Beam in his hand. And the cowboy hat on, he just never stopped being that guy. And whether that's him being, you know, Method or whether he, that's actually who he is, I couldn't tell where what? one stopped and the other started. But he, he, he so sort of, it. yeah, he was sort of like like glowing. He was just sort of bigger than, than life, even when you were standing there with him. And so that was uh, Kim. It was, it, it, you were what, twelve years old? Uh, probably old? 20, yeah. Oh, 20? 20. 20, not 12. No, about 20. Oh okay. Uh, oh, no. but, but he's yeah. his picture a little kid. No, 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 no. That would be great. I wish. Uh, so uh, that's with Kim Bassinger, Harry Dean Stanton, the aforementioned, and wonderful uh, char- character character actor. Harry Dean so. Stanton story. Say that again.
0: Do you have a Harry Dean Stanton
1: story? I don't. I'm sorry. That's all I remember. I was drunk myself, so it was hard to uh, recall. Uh, but in okay. any case. <laughs> Back to one last thing on uh, just for the the humor of it. Uh, Back to Sam Shepard's um, uh, resume. He was terrific in a fantastic TV show series on HBO called Bloodline. Um, Hmm. And it's basically follows a family like a um, an island probably off the coast of Florida, a small island community. Um, where, you know, just single families grow and grow and become huge in the community and so on and so forth. And it's just sort of this uh, really dark, uh, fun examination of their um, of that particular family and the bad things that happen in it. It's got Kyle Chandler, um, Linda Cardellini, uh, Sissy Spacek is the mother. It's got really mm. great people in it. And an actor who we've mentioned before, whom I adore from this very show, called ben mendelson and i'll oh, close in it or however you pronounce her last name so it's uh that's definitely worth watching if it's available on netflix whatever it is uh go find it it is one of these ones where you finish an episode and you just turn around and have to start the next one uh you cannot stop watching it um i'm gonna pause here for one second and just say that uh Separate from me, my my uh, son had no interest in going to see this movie with uh, his mom and I. And then, of course, a couple days later, a girl he knows said, hey, do you want to go see it? And he was out the door faster than you can say whatever. So hey, so he went to see it with her. And afterwards, I said the next day or so, I said, hey, so what did you think of that? And he, <clears throat> I'm sorry,
0: I <laughs> told this whole thing wrong. <laughs> I gotta, Is it going to be another drinking game for the no, rest no, of no, us? It's not. I'm going to okay. jettison this
1: entire tangent and bring it up next time on uh, on Bloodline. It's not on.
0: It's on, on
1: bloopers. <laughs> what's it called? Booster <laughs> shot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of my mind.
0: What have you been smoking? <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I'm Are you ha- having a stroke?
1: <laughs> I was going to say I may I may be having a stroke. So, oh, I'm so lost. All right. Mm-hmm. So, um, all right. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, like, just the shape of this thing. Uh, you know, I know we say let's not focus, uh, hyper focus on acts and so on and so forth. It really does feel like, <clears throat> like, this is a story that, like, we got so much of it as backstory that could have been actually compelling on screen stuff. You know, life in the in the uh, in the cult, and the boy, and their focus on the boy, and some of the stuff with him—all of it that becomes um, exposition to us later—would have been cool yeah. to see. And the father turning to his old buddy, and they break him out, and then kicking the mother out, and all these different well, pieces Well, you know,
0: if, if, oddly enough, I feel like, and and this is kind of—I um, don't know if—I think maybe I fall. Uh, Kirsten for this, but um, I feel like her <laughs> character did not really exhibit any post-cult traumatic stress. How long were they in the cult? Because she didn't seem she didn't seem like she had a problem adjusting to the real world. So it's not clear how long she was in or how long a she'd been out. Deprogramming is what it seems like to me. <laughs>
1: well also she was a woman who essentially walked away from her kid for whatever whatever reason or however that worked. So that's right. um
0: which is what in fact made me incredibly resentful that she was next to the kid at the end of the movie.
1: Yeah, well that's the sort of what she I was working it. up to. Is she deserved it. So anyway, I feel like all that stuff is really wonderful stuff to see, to see it played out. I would love to have seen it, but instead what he did is he, he, he focused the movie on what would have been the third act of the whole story where nothing is really happening, where no one, everyone has already made their compelling decisions. Right. And now they're, they're honoring those decisions. Good for them. Not so good for me.
0: However, um, as we did say before, that there were some, uh, some, some terrific moments that, uh, that abduction scene, I thought was extraordinary. Um, I, I, I thought the way it it felt very claustrophobic and you really felt the limitations of the, the, the restrictions of movement. Um, it, it, it was personalized in a really excellent way. I thought, um, uh, yes, I mean, just, yes. Just shouting it out. No, 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 right? no I, it's fine. I'm not saying that
1: there sort of weren't, that it didn't have its moments of whatever action or so on and so forth. I just felt like they were less compelling than many moments that were existed in the backstory. And, well, yes. And, he, yeah. you know, he, he he doesn't want to tell, uh, you know, a three, have a trilogy here <laughs> to tell this big, complicated story. Um, I just feel like he might have gotten done emotionally what he wanted to get done if he had there would have been room for both somehow uh in my mind and then so we end up in this this last part of it where they're they're trying to get to this place and the other the the everyone knows everyone's sort of converging on this one spot essentially um and have this plan where they're just going to pull over and have her and the boy jump out and run into the woods uh, to cut across well, the thing. Interference with the car. Yeah. Well, they run interference with the car. Now I, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. He's, he's not going with his kid. Um, that just really bothered me that he didn't go with his kid when they have, there's no reason that it couldn't have just been his buddy running interference. It's just a car. Right. You know, and, and having two guys in it instead of four people is no worse than having one guy in it instead of four people. Or or she could have stayed behind or whatever it was. So I just felt like that breaking those characters apart at that point uh, was already starting to disappoint me. And ultimately, I was very disappointed that he kind of wasn't there to say goodbye to his son, whether it was verbally or non-verbally, whatever it might have been. Yeah. And I will complain again about that, (laughs) about that blockade that they had to ram in that car of theirs. There were four guys on that road. And just, it was just, it was one of the saddest things I've seen. And I just went, they have no budget. They have no budget to put more people or to do anything more elaborate than just what they've got right there. But it just felt, you know, why not just a Hummer parked straight flat across? Because that would be logical on the Army's part. It would make it harder for our heroes to get through, but don't give our heroes a soft, you know, like a wet paper towel they have to break through. Because then they haven't really accomplished anything,
0: right? And more to, and, and, and while you're at it, yeah. Don't produce a safe way around it that they don't use. Because you remember, like the, the soldiers like pointed out. The, don't I'm, you remember? Did it say it again. It got blurry on the yours. The soldiers like point out, like you know, oh, there's still room around the side. You know, he get in. You know, I guess we better stay here. Yeah. Then the guy's coming, and he doesn't go for it. Right. I'm like, thanks.
1: Um, that's that's hilarious, um, and that they don't—they didn't fire, they didn't do any—they didn't do anything. <clears throat> if you're not—if you're really well, determined to stop the vehicle, try and stop the vehicle. Um, so that was just uh, that well, kind of.
0: Yeah, but 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 that also got you know uh, that was a quick throwaway line. You know, uh, you know we can't we can't instigate. Uh, right, I know, but, but it kind of smacked of you know that Seinfeld. Moment of, you know, what What people do in their own homes is actually their own business. Right. Um, (laughs) Um, So that was that was almost comical. And then we
1: and then we end up with this the very last sort of the last five or ten minutes, which I had so many different problems with. I kind of just generally like the idea of this sort of beings that are made of light. I kind of like that. And there's this there's this part of it that's like, wait a minute. Is this heaven is it alternate reality it 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 played on a bunch of different possibilities that had been introduced earlier but had not really been pursued with any kind of uh with any kind of vigor
0: well, and yeah.
1: or clarity or whatever and so there seemed like now here we were again we had all this possibility in the beginning that kind of fell away and now we had more possibility to sort of heal it all and bring it all together somehow and it just wasn't on his agenda which is fine for him, but not for me. Um, but just even to something like this, this is sort of logic police, and maybe you can explain it to me so it doesn't bother me so much, or somebody can write in or call in or whatever. I don't know why I should call in. There's no way to call. Um, no one calls anymore. <laughs> which is, okay, if this is some sort of alternate... you go well why don't we somehow why why does why do things in our world not interface with that thing with that structure cuz it doesn't really exist on our same plane of reality okay right. okay so there is definitely at least one shot possibly more than one shot where structures in their world their universe their mm-hmm. plane of existence
0: right. are
1: are attached literally attached to the side yes. of a skyscraper. Well, that yes. that then you I, to me I can't wrap my mind around it being both. Either they're not attached and they exist separately so that they don't require that skyscraper to exist in order for their building to exist. Or so no touchy-touchy or if nice. they touch <laughs> then 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 there will be then there will be some sort of contact between the, the layers of reality, so I just don't understand that. Yeah. and I'm not saying, yeah. clearly it was a choice they made, it's just a choice I don't understand. Um, right. And so it starts um, to bother we, we, me we, we, a
0: lot. The bigger issue I had with that, although that's, a, that's an excellent uh, excellent and a very valid point, um, but the bigger problem for me was that everybody could see it. Yes, there but was just, that too. And, but everybody, like wait a minute, in what world does this movie take place that now things are going to be the same after people have seen that? Right. Like, or did they all get amnesia? Well, they may have all gotten amnesia, but
1: how many uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of cell phones were whipped out? Nothing happens in this society where somebody doesn't pull somebody watching doesn't pull out a cell phone videotape it and put it on YouTube before the event is over it's in social media so an argument can be made that there was some way to give sort of uh, you know amnesia to anyone who saw it and a further argument can be made since they can affect electricity and they can affect all these things that anything that was recorded could be could be taken away because definitely it does feel at the end
0: when, it seems like a, yeah. At the end, when it, it seems like a lot of work for a supreme being to do. I think right. why not just make themselves visible just to a ten foot radius. You right. Know? Right. So like you step into a bubble and you see what it all looks like.
1: It's not clear to me at the end of the movie whether there's a general um, understanding of the military that something beyond just this boy happened. Or if they still only they only know about the boy and only care about the boy and somehow have forgotten about the rest of it, because nothing happens that that pushes it in either direction specifically, um, because it seems to me that if everyone saw this other thing and and everyone was aware of that, it wouldn't be Adam Driver sitting down with the Joel Edgerton character. It would be a whole bunch of people that were a lot angrier and a lot less friendly. If he was associated with now some even more mega event. Yeah. Um, I will say that as much as I was kind of disappointed that the father wasn't with the son, I did really love that last shot of, or basically that last little beat uh, for Roy, where he's hooked up to, to he, they're they're monitoring his brain, but he's getting his... His five minutes of, you know, yard time or whatever it is. He's standing in a hallway. The bright sunlight is beating on his face. So light, he is, he's enveloped in light. And just the look of peace and calm that he has was very wonderful. And interesting, yeah. interesting too, when you think, oh, he didn't get to say goodbye to him, but he still feels super peaceful. Um, but <clears throat> anyway... I uh, I do I do have so I did like that as a as kind of a, a last image or the thing I walked out with, even though I was amidst a bunch of other troubled thoughts, for that particular section of the movie, I do want to ask you one question again. It's as critical to me that I find an answer. Are you dropping your head and like oh my god he won't shut up? <laughs>
0: no, I'm not watching the clock. No, okay, no,
1: all right so. It's as important to me as why the buildings were touching and what does that mean uh, metaphysic- yes. metaphysically um if this boy is presumably of that plane how is he not a light person how did they give birth to him what is his what is his literal origin well this is
0: part of this if this that's this, where this he is belongs? complex cosmology that it sort of makes it it's kind of like it only shook like it shook up the dice and 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 rolled them out and like whatever that come like those were the elements that got into the movie. But <laughs> That's you didn't hilarious. Get the whole, you didn't get you know Yahtzee. I love that Yahtzee. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and the look on your faces, I laugh at it. That's fantastic. Um, all right, well, fine, but I want more. Like I want. I I'm happy to chew on this stuff. I just feel like. I didn't get, like, a big delish, delicious piece of uh, beef bourguignon. I got jerky. So I'm like, yeah, it tastes good, but it's hard to chew. And it just isn't, like, this delicious mouthful that I feel like it might have been if he weren't so concerned with doling out such small portions to fully complete the yeah, food. I, the I, food.
0: I, I think I think he... I feel like he really wanted to... To do a father and son on the lamb story and kind of built sort of built a plot around that and didn't really go through the work of mapping out how it all connects. Because it does like it. It really, really doesn't. Right. At um, least it <clears throat>
1: It didn't feel that way to you. I think you're right about the father-son on the lamb. I feel like he may have hamstrung himself a little bit by creating the boy character who's almost like autistic. On the autistic right. spectrum. Because right. then he can't have a a relationship with the father in any kind of way that we recognize. Yeah. It wasn't like they were like they bonded over anything in particular. Other than narrowly escaping death from the falling... Uh, satellite, you
0: know. I can't believe he left the kid alone in the car. <laughs> I
1: know, absolutely. It doesn't. It it's just um, boggles the mind. It does. It boggles it does. The I mind. think child services. If they had just reported him to child services, it would have all gotten worked out. Child protective services. Um, Something you have uh,
0: some familiarity with. Here? <laughs>
1: Well, I used to say the
0: experience.
1: when I was, when I, when my kids would just eat these meals that they like, they were so picky that they hamstrung me into these, this terrible Sophie's choice of what to feed them. And, and I just kept thinking if anybody saw what I was feeding them, they'd be taken away from me. You know, just the, the unhealthy nature of it, you know, but, um, uh, <clears throat> so here's the thing. Uh, last time I mentioned a couple of podcasts and, um, I wanted to bring them up again for a couple of reasons, but one in particular was Jeff, uh, Goldsmith. Q and a with Jeff Goldsmith. And, uh, God, I hope that's his name. Could be Goldberg. This is terrible. What a horrible plug. I'm just horrible at everything. <laughs> He's shaking his head. He can't believe it. <laughs> um, a- anyway, I listened to the interview with Jeff Nichols subsequent to seeing the film and developing all these harsh uh, ideas that I have about it. And uh, what happened was that I found myself feeling much more generous about all of this. Um, In the sense that he talked about his process of writing it and putting it together and what his intentions were and you know what his process was, and so on and so forth, and that made it it is goldsmith jeff goldsmith q and a with jeff goldsmith um and it made me it made me feel a little bit more forgiving for what it ended up being. i mean he made the movie he was setting out to make, not necessarily the movie I was sitting down to see, and so <laughs> when i didn't when I'm not getting what I want to out of it, that's not necessarily his fault; it's me uh having needs and expectations that are outside the intention of his delivery. Um, and so, so there's that. And I would recommend people listen to that interview. And, and in fact, I'd recommend that you listen to the Q&A with Jeff Goldsmith. And while you're at it, listen to the one with Jeff Goldberg, too. And uh, to that end, I will put in the show notes, as I did last week, I'll put in links to um, the, the the podcasts that I referenced Um, just so people can find them and get to them. If I'm going to mangle the names of them and everything else, um, at least I should make them more accessible. Um, very different from what we're doing here in, in both cases and in all ways, but everyone, every, all of them are valid. All of ours, podcasts, theirs and everything. You can double dip, you can triple dip. Um, so I feel a little less like, hardcore about some of these things even though I've been selling them as a little bit of a hardcore attitude. I, I genuinely felt them in the moment reacting to it. It's more of a mellowing out after uh, giving it a week or two to sink in. Um, do you have any final words on the whole thing?
0: Nope. I think uh, I think we're done on this one.
1: Yeah, I think uh, for, for all of that we are. I know that um, oh, you know what I wanted to do? Uh, we're going to do a, uh, we're going to do a, <laughs> sorry, booster shot next time. Yes. Booster shot number three is coming up. And so we wanted to tease that here just for a moment. One of the things we're going to do, I think we, I'd like to do on that booster shot is have a more of an extended and, and better informed discussion of passion projects that writer directors have made, or even just directors have made, and for, for the good and for the bad. Uh, we were focusing on the bad last time, and in that the subject of um, ET came up, because you had you had sort of thought that it was a, a long gestating idea of Steven Spielberg's, and then you said, you know, well, uh, you, you know, as soon as we get off, I'll look online and and I'll find out that it was uh, Melissa Matheson's, you know, brainchild from the start, and then you added, I don't know if it was comically or not. Oh no! You said. And when I get out there, she's going to come down on me or she's going to hate me for it.
0: Yeah, probably. if by
1: out there you meant Los Angeles, you're in luck. Well, that is what I meant. Okay, because unless I miss my guess, and just so that I don't completely uh, screw it up as I have everything else on this podcast, I am going to double check about her whereabouts. Um Yeah, she died two years ago. So unless ah, unless you're talking about the you afterlife, know, you won't be bumping into her uh, anytime soon.
0: Ah, uh, well,
1: it's not funny, but uh, <laughs> that is good to know. Uh, rest in peace, Melissa Matheson.
0: What yes, I but that's, that's... But to be honest. As as I, like right after I said it, I was thinking, wait a second. Yeah. I've been, I've been out of it too long. So, but that's not why I brought up the ET thing. There is actual fact. I have, I'll show
1: you my, my phone here. I've got it pulled oh, up sure. here. And I saw a couple different references to this, but this is the one I'm going to read you. Um, it says The concept for the film, I don't know where I pulled this from. The concept for the film was based on an imaginary friend Spielberg created after his parents' divorce in 1960. In 1980s, Spielberg met Matheson and developed a new story from the stalled science fiction horror project Night Skies." so he was basically e t was sort of a, a reimagining or an adaptation of a story that he had had in his head for or a character or an idea he had been with him for a while. so you're certainly going to get well, at least least half a point with that.
0: I would not well yeah, but I don't know if. That doesn't really put it in the same category as the fifth element because that no. was a f that was a, an, an actual storyline. Yeah, yeah, no, I understand.
1: I, I I I appreciate your
0: not uh, taking that credit. It I also shows... shouldn't get it because I also shouldn't get it because I forgot that Melissa Matheson died.
1: <laughs> yes. Because when you said that, when I get out there she's gonna be mad at me, I thought does he
0: know that she's dead?
1: Um... Well,
0: no, I probably meant I, I would have to go back and listen to it. Yeah. Because I'll, I'll know from my tone if I meant the afterlife. Uh, or you, I meant you didn't. The I, was,
1: I don't think so. But in any case, uh, so we'll have much more fun like that uh, on, the, on the booster shot next time and get into sort of uh, part of what the booster shots do is there's a lot of stuff that slips between the cracks. Movies that maybe uh, uh, Dr. Meyer sees that I haven't and vice versa. And so we sort of bring those out and, and look at them a little bit and, uh, and also do sort of corrections and so on and so forth. I definitely have a, uh, a correction, a couple corrections in mind of things I said that now I would like to retract or amend in some way.
0: And so the next booster shot is going to be, come on, you've got to plug this thing. Pitch it. pitch it.
1: I'll pitch it. All right. Uh, this is what the booster shot is to me as a general concept. Uh, It's kind of a catch-all. It's We've got a bunch of stuff that we want to say that falls well outside the bounds of discussing one particular movie or another. Or we say things that are just completely stupid or uh, whatever. So we have a chance with the booster shot to go back and revisit things like we've had a little bit of a change of heart on an idea or we read something. We reintroduce some facts about things we've already seen. But then also we talk about movies that we have seen but just movies that both of us haven't seen and so you get some from Dr. Meyer telling what he's seen, some from me telling stuff that I've seen, just little quick things like, oh, hey, this is good, this isn't good, however that's going to work. And uh, it's just a lively, quick kind of a – it's a jamboree is what it is. that
0: so, yeah, what it is.
1: And so this upcoming one will be Booster Shot number 3, and they do fairly well with the downloads. It looks like people listen to those. And, uh, and, and in some ways they, they help us get from – uh, one movie that we really want to talk to to the next movie gives us a chance to c- cleanse the palate and be ready to, uh, to focus in on the, a new thing after that. So by all means, get all up in that booster shot. But I know one thing we're definitely going to do is talk about um, passion projects gone wrong and gone right. Beautiful. Yes. All right, that was the elevator pitch. Uh, l- awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to thank you for listening to the show. We'd like to thank you for joining us, not only this time, but next time. Tell a friend, tell a loved one, tell a stranger about Hollywood Rx. Um, it's time to say goodbye. And as of this moment, and until next time, the doctors are out.
0: Are out.